Hi, I'm David Massover. Welcome to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast, where I'll be interviewing senior sales leaders, sales experts, and sales service providers about what else, what it takes to drive B2B sales revenue. So thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast. My name is David Massover. I'm going to be your host today. And today, we have got another fantastic guest on the show. Today, we are talking to Mike Hook, who's the Director of Sales at Childcare CRM. Mike, welcome to the podcast. David, thank you. And thanks for having me. Ah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for being here. So, Mike, you've got over a decade of sales experience under your belt. You're a member of the Revenue Collective. You're, you're the host of the Backstage Sales Podcast. So with all of that experience and all of that perspective, what is the best piece of sales advice that you have ever heard? So hands down for me, it was a game changer in my sales career. It was to ask good, thoughtful questions to your prospects and then shut up. Right. It's a two-part equation, right? Because a lot of times, if you ask those good questions, people need to think about the response. They need to process that question. So if you jump right back in, you're going to talk over them without letting them speak. It's really tricky to learn over the phone because there's no, like you can't see the wheels spinning in someone's mind like you could if you're in person. But that's, that's the other part. It's like, that's where the mute button's there. So listen, if you're selling on the phone and that's the thing, right? You, you know, ask these good questions, mute yourself. It's going to feel really uncomfortable at first, but live in that silence and you'll get some really good answers from people. That's great advice. I grew up selling exclusively on the phone. Of course, now we have Zoom and, and all this other stuff. But I always felt like if you were able to really be present, then you were more able to... It's going to sound weird. It's going to sound like one of these martial arts I can see around corners <laughs> things. But, but you could almost hear the thought process happening. But you can't do that unless you're present enough with what you're doing to really not let your mind take over. Yeah, it's true. And active listening, this concept of the active listening, it's not new, but it never goes out of style. It's exhausting. Like if you are, aren't skilled at doing that, it's like anything else. It's learning a new skill. How do you, to your point, stay present in the moment so that you're really listening and processing what somebody else says? And and one of those things that helped me there was always paraphrasing back. So then I had time to formulate my own response, make sure that we're on the same page. But it's draining. If you've got an hour meeting, God forbid you've got a two-hour meeting, if you're actively listening that whole time, which is almost impossible to do, you're going to be a little tired at the end. And that means you're, you're on the right path. It means you're doing something right. But you do have to learn that skill. Yeah, it's work. To be engaged, to be present, to be actively listening, absolutely. It, it can take some energy, no question about that. So that is a fantastic piece of good advice. I'm also curious to know, what's the worst sales advice you ever received? So it's almost like the other side, the yin to the yang of my good advice. It was, oh, hey, you're really energetic. You've got a great personality. Go in there and just talk to them. You'll sell them. It's not a big deal. And it's like, okay. Okay. So it's really very much the converse was the worst sales advice. It's that, you know, when you first get started, it's that product dump that just vomit value or lack of value, vomit features out there. Horrible, horrible. And it's uh, people associate this, oh, you've got this big personality. Go out there and just talk. The worst thing you could do. Yeah. People think that if you're good with people and, you know, you can tell a story, then you're a good salesperson. But I think by definition, that means 
they don't understand what sales really is, or at least is when it's done professionally and effectively. Yeah. And it's... Listen, storytelling is great. You want to be able to tell a story when you're selling, but you need to tell that story in the context of your buyer so that your buyer is the hero in that story. You can't just go tell your story because then it's like you're a mall kiosk guy, right? Just coming up like, hey, here's a story about my phone. Well, I've got a better phone in my pocket, but you didn't know that. Yeah, it's kind of like Uncle Milton at Thanksgiving dinner. It's like, oh, let me tell you a story. Like, oh, Uncle Milton, not number 634 again, right? And all of a sudden your ears are shut off. That's right. the end of it. That right. happens to the buyers. That's what they do. Yeah, exactly. So you are the director of sales at Child Care CRM. Why does the child care industry need a specialized CRM? So the child care industry needs a specialized CRM because they're teachers, they have parents, and these parents have very, very specific communication methods. They've got very specific touch points that they want to have. I mean, this is your child. This is somebody's child. That is the most valuable thing in the world to them. So being able to communicate effectively, efficiently, and timely with parents in a customized way that only this industry communicates with, you know, that's really important. It's all centered around how a center director functions in their day and uh, where those parents are interacting. So is it over text? Is it over email? And how do those automated business rules trigger? that we have, that we built in. How many times do we know a parent needs to be contacted and what do they need to be contacted about? You know, that's stuff we know. You can't break a Salesforce, you can't break a HubSpot down into what we've done and what we've built. I think that's why it's so important for this industry to effectively communicate and manage those tasks. You know, a director, they've got so many things to do per day. They're working on curricula. They're working on finances. They're working on driving enrollment. They're working sometimes on getting lunch or getting food. It's all of these things. I've listed probably about a third of their daily responsibilities. So how do you manage all these leads and these parents that are coming through on top of everything else? It's nearly impossible. I would imagine that you know, right now it's the end of May. We're theoretically coming out of the whole COVID quarantine, lockdown, school from home situation. We've got a young child at home. We're doing the online learning thing. We're getting a lot of new communications from the school and, and, and really having to be even more involved than usual. Have you seen a difference during this period when kids are home? And have you seen how childcare CRM has been able to support your clients in accomplishing their mission? So much like the rest of really the world is we have seen an incredible shrink down between RIFs, the reduction in workforce, between people working from home and pulling their children from care, just the overall economic outlook on everything. Yeah, you know, we saw an initial contraction, but with that contraction, we also saw the need for our service increasing. So our clients using our group and two-way communication features to get messages out to all their parents, to send their marketing materials out, to consolidate the incoming communication, you know, that's something that our platform was leveraged very heavily for. Now, when you think about some of the reporting and the analytics too, anytime a parent comes in, we're not operating in this period of abundance anymore. So when a parent comes in, you need to know, you know, how am I converting? What are my statistics on getting these parents and getting them enrolled and making sure that their children show up? So, you know, we've seen a spike in the usage of our uh, conversion success reports to know what's going on in these centers. Also, is our marketing being spent the right way? Budgets, right, with the contraction got shrunk down so much. So, 
as a center director, what avenues, where am I spending my money and what's the greatest return? You know, these are metrics that people, they don't measure on their own because they're really hard to track and really hard to keep, uh, keep a database for. So not only with the group and two-way communications and not only with these reportings, but in addition to that, it's how are you setting yourself up for success? So you and I have talked beforehand about, you know, making sure you've got a really lean process that you can build off of as you scale back up. So a lot of centers as well have been thinking, okay, well, I have a, I have a lighter staff. We don't have as many people working here anymore due to the RIFs. How can we leverage technology to maximize the staff we do have? Enter childcare CRM. And now you've got a platform that automates tasks, that schedules them for them, and that they can build off of to drive enrollment. It's a specialized tool for a specialized market to, to do important work. What does your team look like? How do you organize the sales function at Childcare CRM to approach the market, to get the message out, and to support the market once they are a client of yours? We've got a great sales and marketing team that really work hand in hand. We've done a lot of webinars. We've done a lot of integrated campaigns around common themes like powering yourself back towards full enrollment and some of the tools that you can use there. So from a marketing team, they've been really great outbound, getting the message out to the industry. We work with some great partners that we have as well. We've been co-hosts on some webinars with some great partners of ours. So it's been a lot of thought leadership in terms of industry best practices, how you can not only mitigate the waters through COVID, but also how you can grow coming out of COVID. And how really where we're at right now, as we see this increase in enrollment and interest at centers, to your point, as people are going back, we've seen that spike. So now it's, are the sellers in the right spots? Are we communicating to people effectively based on really the value that our buyers have seen already, right? That lead management system, the automated business rules, the two-way communication, the report. So you know, you're maximizing not only your money in marketing, and it's all around, hey, guys, from a sales standpoint, you know, this is what people are using. We've heard it from our clients here first. This is the value that we're getting from our clients. We have an online registration form too for enrollment packets. So I've talked a lot about the CRM, but online forms right now, really big. So it's let's make sure we're always talking about this because you know as the landscape changes, it's not going to be as paper and pen with people not wanting to you know touch hands or where pickups are. So it's been a lot of thought leadership mixed with, okay, now guys, go make that effort, go make that outbound call, go communicate with our buyers. And really, let's make sure that we're talking to them about the things that matter to them, not shove forward, but let's actually communicate what they need based on what we're hearing from our clients. It sounds like a great living example of effective management through a crisis, right? I mean, you've got a client base, you're servicing them, you're giving them a great product for their needs. Their needs change a lot. The way you approach them changes a lot. How do you see your role as the director of sales with respect to the organization? Like, What's your job to keep the trains running on time and to keep everything working and moving forward the way it's supposed to? So being at a smaller company, you wear a lot of hats, but also have to skate in your lane. So everyone's got their part to play. So as the director of sales, on the one hand, there is some strategy angle to it, helping with the big partners, seeing how we can work together to go to market, really some strategy items too around our products, services, working on the value props, some of those pivots we talked about, making sure that we're always staying top of mind. So there's that strategy angle really across the organization, working really tight with marketing 
I couldn't do what I do without them and vice versa. We luckily have a very close team. So there's very much the strategy side of things, making sure that we've got the right materials and the team supported and the companies, you know, moving forward. And that is a group effort. That's not a director of sales effort. That's me putting my sales spin on that side of it. Then there's the day to day. It's the consistent weekly meetings that we don't change. It's our weekly revenue meeting, which again, sales and marketing does together. How'd we do? Where are we at? It's the daily standups being remote, the different themes, whether it be, hey, let's talk about a big deal today, or we've got a product release coming. Maybe it's just, what are you hearing out there prospecting? But those daily little interactions there, and then the weekly one-on-ones. You know, so in that regard, it's spending the time with everybody. It's having these cadences. It's bringing this normalcy, but also it allows us to move very nimbly and very quick. Now, if we're hearing something out there and nobody knows better than the guys who are on the phone, they are the ones that are driving a lot of this behavior. And so a lot of it's, hey, the team needs to give me this feedback so that we know we're going and skating in those right lanes. And then the last thing too, is I also function as an individual contributor. So it's calling some of our biggest clients. It's calling some of the biggest prospects out there and saying, hey, listen, now's the time. Is this something that you guys are in a position to talk about You know, through prospecting new business, but also looking to accelerate current deals within our pipeline? What can we do to help the industry today? So it's... It is a lot. It's one of those things where, again, I, you got to remind yourself, right? What am I doing today? So even for myself, it's, it's a lot of that discipline too. You need your own effective CRM, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think everyone theoretically acknowledges that it's important to have these kinds of rhythms. We should have weekly meetings. We should have daily meetings. We should get, get information from the front lines. You guys are making that happen. I really respect that. But one of the things that you don't see happening very frequently is sales and marketing get along. And it sounds like you guys are being pretty successful with that. Has it always been like that? Or was there something deliberate that you guys did to make sure that sales and marketing were working effectively together? So I've been at Childcare CRM for about 4 months now. And prior to coming there, the VP of uh, marketing was also running the sales team. Great guy. I had actually worked with him beforehand. So I had worked with him previously. We knew each other. He hired somebody to work in demand gen as our demand gen specialist, also someone who I had worked with before. So I knew the marketing guys moving in and sales had already been overseen by marketing beforehand. So already the group was very tight knit. I was the new one to come in as the sales leader. And one of the things that I did being a smaller team, it was I believe very much in this sales marketing alignment. Marketing owns a number, sales owns a number. Our messaging has to be super tight. And really one doesn't live well without the other. So that weekly meeting I was mentioning beforehand, that is a sales and marketing meeting, our stand-ups, our sales and marketing. We we run the departments really as one. Everyone's got their own siloed things to do. But when we have our touch points on a daily basis, we keep them together. So I will say it has been an active thought to keep the teams together since I arrived at Child Care CRM. But listen, hats off to the guy before me, Jared Lally, who did a great job keeping them together too. If people are listening to this and they're thinking, gosh, you know, that sounds great. I wish it was like that at my company, because in most cases, it's not. What's your advice? How, how should an organization that doesn't have a good synergy between sales and marketing take some steps to try to get there? Yeah. So I think, number one, it depends on the size of the organization. So if you're a small organization, just start doing stuff together. Not everything. You know, sales doesn't have to work on you know, your outbound marketing content and writing things, but get together as a team. Listen, realize that you guys are the same team. If it's a bigger company too, then it's the functional leaders have to get together. 
The number one thing I've seen drive success here though, is give marketing a number. So there's a revenue number and there's a bookings number, right? So let's say you're a company and your bookings number is $10 million for the year. Well, yeah, the sellers are going to go out there and close the business, but give marketing a portion of that number. If you want them to own 33% of it or 30% of it, say, all right, marketing has to be accountable for originating closed bookings of $3 million. So all of a sudden, marketing is now on the hook for $3 million. And guess what? They're going to work a lot tighter with sales and they're going to kick over better leads, which means that the sellers are going to close them better. And on the flip side for the sellers, put SLAs in place, right? Hey, if marketing sends us an inbound lead, you got five minutes to get back to it. Don't sit on your hands. You know, we got to do our part for the marketing team too. So it's giving everybody a joint number to go after and then setting up these SLAs. And by the way, SLAs being service level agreements between the departments, this is how we're going to work. And it's always something to fall back on. It's like that data sort to say, Hey, we're all doing our part. We're going to flourish. If one side's not holding up their part of the bargain, we agreed on this at the beginning. We can go back to it. Why isn't it happening? I think that's a really good starting spot for, for anybody who's seeing disconnect between the departments. I love it. It really brings me back to football season. You know, we're all craving sports right now. But, you know, you think about that on, on an American football team anyway, for those who are international listeners, you know, pardon me, you know, born in the USA. But yeah, you know, the quarterback makes the handoff and the running back takes the ball and, you know, both have to do their part well. And the line has to, you know, do their part well. And the receivers have to do their part well. And everybody's measured by the score. You guys do sell a CRM and you talked a little bit about keeping your day together. What do you guys do as a team internally to stay on top of all of these different things that you have to stay on top of? Are there some systems, some processes, some tools? What makes all of that work for you guys? It's so much. So where do I even start with this? I think number one, you break it down to, okay, we have agreed on those SLAs. So we've got our sales process. We've got our market segments that were built out. So we understand here's our buyers in every different market segment. Here's how they interact. And then here's our sales process. So our sales process is the same process across segments. So we know, hey, here's stage one, what we have to do, your discovery stage, stage two, here's your demo stage and everything that's flushed out in there. You know, we built it out really well. So it's, okay, we understand the foundation. We understand our buyers. We know how they're coming in. Now it's a matter of how do we operate within those parameters. So again, that is our SLA. If an inbound lead comes in, we've got routing rules for inbound leads through our CRM that says, here's who it's going to. Call them in five minutes, right? We're keeping up on these SLAs. It's what does your pipeline look like? Are we having these pipeline meetings to make sure, hey, we're progressing deals along the stages? Are we having forecasting meetings? Hey, where do we need to work at? Is it prospecting? We need to do more outbound. So how many calls are we making? In the sense, it's very much, okay, here's our output, right? We're always going to focus on that first. And then what do we define as our leading indicators to get to that output? And then it's making sure that we're sitting down and managing to those leading indicators. Hey, are we, if we're not getting the output, are we doing stuff right in between? Obviously, with COVID hitting, everything slowed down, right? Huge contraction. So it's really given us some time internally to look at, okay, are we looking at the right stuff? Do we have the right framework in place so that we can scale back coming out of this? I feel like we're in a really good spot, not only with the people, but the process we have as well. But it's, it's leveraging those key indicators and those metrics that we know drive revenue, but it's managing to the purpose behind them. Right? Are we making the right prospecting calls? If we're making the right calls, but we're not getting the pipeline build, well, is our messaging off? So is that now a coachable moment for the team? 
If we're building the right pipeline, but we're not closing the right deals, well, is that because the market conditions today or are we actually missing some step in the discovery phase where maybe we're not getting the information we need to give the demos effectively? So it's leveraging the technology that we have and the CRMs that we have in place, not only to stay organized from a process standpoint, but also to sit down and say, hey, listen, as a manager, as leadership, are we focused on the right areas? Are we resonating with our buyers? And, and what is the market dictating right now You know, with this contraction? And now we're seeing it open back up again, too. So we're starting to feel this momentum and we're starting to see these same metrics as beforehand. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, just by nature of doing the same good habits we had beforehand, start spinning back up. It sounds like a very actively managed environment. Many companies that I work with, many people that I talk to don't have a very actively managed environment. Many times salespeople are just kind of out on their own doing their own thing and some of them sink and some of them swim and you know, managers are off in their meetings. Is there a special skill set or a special type of salesperson specifically that you guys look for or that tends to be most successful in that kind of an environment? So first and foremost, I think when you talk about my personas for a seller who will be successful. You have to be coachable because you know, due to the nature of sales being hands-on and just the fact that things change so quickly and there's a lot to learn, you have to be coachable, right? To your point earlier with American football, if you've got a wide receiver who is not running the right route, if they cut one yard too far up, you know, you got to be able to come back in the huddle and say, hey, listen, this is what's going on. Make this tweak. You see them make that tweak, all of a sudden the slant route's good for a touchdown. Right? So you need these sellers that are very coachable, that can take the feedback and put it into action. I think the other thing that goes back to when we first started this, my best piece of sales advice is I want sellers that are curious because that means that they're doing a really good job in discovery. And that means that, no, we're not doing that you know, shotgun talk, feature dumping. You've got a seller who wants to know about the business. And not only about the business, they want to know, hey, how's this impacting your business? Or if you guys are, to our example, if you guys are doing your follow-up by paper and pen, how's it impacting the other areas of your day if you've got to file all this stuff? You know, that's got to take time, right? So what's, what's falling off? What are you sacrificing? And why? And what's that mean downstream? Right? It's you got to get these curious, curious sellers to come in here. The other thing too, we are digital and you can't go past it. I want someone who's going to hustle. Get out there, make the calls, do the work. And can you talk on the phone? I mean, that, if those are the four, and I'll sit on those. There's a million different things from a sales standpoint, but I'll sit on those four right now is that's, that's what I've got. And that's what I look for. That's a good starting line. <laughs> yeah, it's worked well so far. So if someone's listening and they're not in sales management and they're inspired, like this sounds like the kind of, of sales management I would like to aspire to. What's your advice for someone who is not in sales management yet and is thinking about getting into a sales management role? What can they do prior to getting into that role to really set them up for success when they get there? Yeah, so I think the first thing you can do is go be a leader within your team. Be a peer-to-peer leader. Take it amongst yourself to say, I'm going to help train people. I'm going to help answer their questions. If there's a new hire on board, go do demo training with them. Feel yourself out. Do you want? Do you like it? Right? It's a way different skill set to go be an individual contributor and go out there and do it and then go be a manager. Like, Do you want to be a manager because you want the title or do you want to be a manager because you want to pass your knowledge along? 
that was the big switch for me. Like when I was an individual contributor and the team started coming to me and I started doing in-team coaching, I realized I like this. I like passing the knowledge on. I like talking to people about it. And I enjoy these conversations. So do that first. Go be a team leader. Be vocal in the meetings. Number two, start documenting stuff. Right? Figure out how you like managing the process to yourself. So if you don't have a really flushed out competitive intel, go document it down. If you want to make little tweaks to your own sales process, document your own tweaks down in the sales process. And then go to your manager right? And be that proactive voice to your manager that says, Hey, listen, I'm finding these little things, make their job as easy as possible. Because when you do that stuff, all of a sudden, your time's going to start getting really, really thin. And as a manager, you're a servant of the people. So your time is going to be really, really thin, just by the nature of you're on call for them now. And that is your purpose here, train them up, get them up to where they need to be. The last thing that I would suggest is go find a mentor. Go find someone who can teach you how to coach. It's something that I still work on daily. I can always be a better coach. But man, if you can nail that stuff, and it's three things, but it's a lot of stuff. But if you can nail that, you're going to step in and be a hell of a manager. That's fantastic advice, Mike. Really fantastic advice. Now, you offer a lot of advice online. You are very active on LinkedIn. That's where you and I met. You just became a sales star in 2020. You have your (laughs) podcast. If people want more of Mike Hook, where's the best place to find you and and learn more about what you're up to and what you're thinking about? Send me a LinkedIn connection, shoot me a message, live in the comments on my post. You know, some of some of this best stuff I've seen is in those comments, but I will always talk to anybody. That's uh, one of the things that I decided to do is I might not get back to you right away, depending on what's going on, but I will. So Mike Hook, find me, follow me, send me a message. There are some people who are much smarter than me that impart their wisdom in the comments as well. <laughs> so there's a lot of knowledge out there to be had and uh, happy to share it with anybody who wants it. Well, Mike, we really appreciate you sharing some of your time and some of your knowledge and some of your experience with us today. Thank you very much for being a guest on the podcast. Thanks. This was great. Awesome, David. Thanks so much for having me. Had a blast. You've been listening to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast with your host, me, David Massover. If you'd like to learn more about how I can help you and your sales organization accelerate growth, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, reach out to me at davidmassover.com or find me on LinkedIn. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast to be the first to know about new episodes. And thanks for listening. Now, let's go drive some B2B sales revenue.